This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk. Back again with you guys for another episode of the Raw Reaction Show. Joining you from Manchester. Apologies for the lack of audio quality and, of course, video quality. I am here in a hotel uh, in the middle of Manchester uh, using my Wi-Fi hotspot off my phone to try and record this show. So do bear with me um, regarding that. And also, apologies, a slightly late start. I was trying to sort out a better internet connection from the hotel Wi-Fi and switch to my phone after it turned out it wasn't good enough to do the stream. So, yes, uh, a very difficult, a very difficult, frustrating morning. Um, not the morning that we wanted to wake up with. Of course it isn't. Um, but it's the one that we are, have got and the one that we need to analyse, the one that we need to discuss. And we're going to do all of that and more in today's show. We're going to go through some of the key parts of yesterday's 4-1 defeat uh, to Manchester City and uh, consider all the aspects of the game, have a little bit of therapy and take some of your questions as well before I need to shoot off to catch my train back down south um, to uh, reflect on everything that went on in yesterday's game. Good morning to those joining us in the chat box. Blackshine, good morning to you, to Carl, to Dave. Uh, good morning to Johnny. Good morning to Martin, to Stevie. Good morning to Paul. Uh, good morning to Ponaru. Good morning to NSW, Sandman, George Harrison. Uh, Marcus, Louis, Stephen, Alpha, uh, Red Star, Matt, uh, Nav, and Sir Nicholas, and plenty more of you guys as well. Thank you so much, as always, for tuning in. It would mean a lot if you still did drop a like on the video, even though I know that it is going to be tough um, to find yourself bringing yourself to do that. But we're going to try and tackle um, as much as we can in uh, the show, and uh, we'll see where we land come the end of it. So, Arsenal's title hopes, I think you know, are hanging by the the smallest of threads. Of course, it's not completely over, um, but it certainly feels that way this morning. Uh, The victory for Man City means that they've closed the gap to two points. And of course, they've got two games in hand. There's a lot of similarities to that season where Liverpool finished second, Gerrard slipping against Chelsea. Of course, Chelsea, the team that Arsenal play next. Uh, Now City still remaining in the catch-up mode because they are still technically behind, but their home game against West Ham, their away game against Brighton, you would expect them to pick up at least three points from those two games. And uh, it does put Arsenal in a position where they probably have to win um, their last five games of the season to have a chance of anything. the positive of the night was obviously with Brighton <laughs> losing. It meant that Arsenal's, what I think was our expectation at the start of the campaign to qualify for the Champions League, that was secured. Um, but that doesn't really feel like any kind of consolation prize considering the way we performed this season, opening up the opportunity to compete for a title. Um, moving forwards uh, and looking at the reasons as to why uh, what happened happened. Uh, De Bruyne and, and Erling Haaland um, in particular are deserving of praise. I think obviously to start with De Bruyne, it shows you what the difference is between a world-class player that's up and coming like a Bakaya Saka, like Gabriel Martinelli, and obviously a world-class player that is 
at their absolute peak, that establishment of quality, the experience, the composure, the thinking, the tactical nous of De Bruyne, the understanding of him and his teammates, um, and the ability to step up on the biggest of stages. And if Man City go on to win a treble, which is very possible, De Bruyne is going to be the absolute centre of that, along with, of course, the man who is also in this photo. But tactically, how De Bruyne plays, how he understands the game, um, how you understand what happens on the fields and his understanding of his teammates and the chances he creates and the chances that he scores, you know, have been a real thorn in Arsenal's side and Arsenal will have a better chance of winning a title once he's no longer at the top of his game. But Erling Haaland, I think, as well, showed exactly what has happened since moving to City. At Borussia Dortmund, he was the number nine that would get on the end of chances and be the most natural of goal scorers. And that has continued on at Man City. But what Pep Guardiola and Man City have done to Erling Haaland is improved arguably the best, certainly the best young striker and arguably the best striker now in the world. And it was his two assists, of course, that were key on the night and uh, feeding uh, feeding <laughs> um, what we've seen there from, from De Bruyne and, and getting that opportunity. Um, and I really find myself worried for the future uh, of the Premier League and the opportunity to challenge a side like Man City when they've got Erling Haaland as, as young as he is up top for the foreseeable future. And that is what Arsenal are going up against, is they're going up against this juggernaut of a team that contain these players that ultimately means that when they go up against Man City, they look like, whether it's this season, whether it's coming seasons, they're going to be second best. And it's going to take a hell of a lot of improvement from Arsenal to be able to reel in those opponents. And that's why, obviously, it's so frustrating that the opportunity that they gave themselves this season has kind of been thrown away somewhat against West Ham, was thrown away against Southampton. Other games this season where we've frustratingly dropped points where we arguably shouldn't have done has, has left us in this position. So that this game shouldn't have been the game that it was in the sense of we had to win this one. Um, and we absolutely should have taken the points that we should have taken uh, in those games against West Ham, against Southampton, arguably against Liverpool as well. Um, but we didn't. And, and that is ultimately what I think we'll look back on this season is not the games against Man City and the difference between ourselves and Man City, because there have been opportunities to open that gap, to keep that gap wider going into this fixture so that it didn't have to be the game that it was, that if we lost it, it would mean that City would stand as clear and outright favourites then for the title. But unfortunately, um, those games have had that significant impact on things. Now, I thought Aaron Ramsdale, you know, maybe there's some question marks about the first goal um, and certainly the fourth. And I spoke to him after the game and he, you'll hear from, from him a little bit later on today and he speaks openly about that fourth goal. But... I think that Ramsdale kept Arsenal in this. And for anyone that ever questions if Aaron Ramsdale is the keeper that Arsenal need for the future, I think there's performances like we've seen today, like we saw at Anfield, that show you his quality that of a young keeper that he is, what he's going to develop into, what he's going to improve into. The foundation of, of a really, really top, top goalkeeper is there. Um, and for me, I was very, very impressed with with how he kept us in the game. And you know, if we ever had a chance of getting anything from it, you know, it was going to come from us keeping City out for as long as we possibly could. And Ramsdale was a huge part of that. And unfortunately, we just could not take those opportunities in our own stride. And we could not take advantage of what he provided us in the games. Now, I thought this picture kind of shows up the difference. Now, I would have started Rob Holding. And I come out of the game thinking, you know, I, I think I still would have done because I don't really know what, we do differently that changes the outcome of this game. Like we can discuss throwing Kivior in, we could discuss throwing Tierney at right back or Partey at right back, who I thought was terrible and I'll come on to shortly. Um, but I think overall, the frustration for me in the defence comes from misfortune, comes from really bad luck. And Tommy Asu and Saliba getting injured at the same time has really cost us. And we've done a really good job at building a team that has absolutely gone far and beyond what we thought 
that it was going to be capable of this season. No, no one was saying that we would be title challengers, and that's because mainly of the squad and what we've done so far and what we expected of this team. Um, but when you lose two players, that mean that you can't use your second, third options in that right centre-back position. And then Rob Holding, who I think has been pointed out by a number of people, you know, um, at the end of the day, we didn't qualify for top four when our backup centre-back, and I use the word backup legitimately here, um, comes into that position. We didn't get top four. So the expectation that ultimately we would have to do it if we had significant injuries that led us to use our fourth choice right-sided centre-back, um, it was unrealistic. And I think that's come to the fore in this game. That said, of course, we look at the games against Southampton and West Ham again, knowing that no matter who's playing in defence, we should win those games. And we shouldn't do what we do in those games that lead us to uh, to dropping points. But, you know, the, the game's not about Rob Holding. But what I do think that it is about is the tactical naivety. I think I would describe the performance as naive. I think the amount of times that Holding run rashly into situations and run rashly into moments where it was a really easy for those that, I mean, if you didn't pick up on it during the game, maybe go watch it back, which is going to be painful, of course. But to tactically understand how City kind of picked Arsenal apart, if you will, it's a really simple movement that they take advantage of and they take advantage of holding in particular, is that what you'll see is that if space opens up in the centre of the park, the forwards, in this case, Haaland, will drop in. He'll drop into probably the edge of the centre circle. A quick pass will be played in from a midfielder, be it De Bruyne or be it another defender, and it will be kind of played straight into the forward. And as soon as that forward goes short to receive the ball, holding most of the time, sometimes it was others, but most of the time it was holding, would rush in to kind of stay tight with the forward. Pulling out of a, a defensive back line, opening up a space where that defender once was. The forward then lays it off with a one-touch pass. And then somebody else then plays the ball into that space that holding is then vacated in the case of the first goal. It's De Bruyne and runs through to score. And that happened on a number of occasions. That happened on a number of, of, of instances where we had so many gaps, so many times that Man City were just able to dictate how we played, how we were shaped in defence. And that's the difference between... Um, a team, I think, that's obviously experienced at the top and is playing out of this world football and knows how to to perform and and where we're at right now with the, the situation we've got with the personnel available in the depth in the positions that we have. Would Saliba do it? I don't know. It's really easy for me to sit here and say William Saliba um, would have would have not been sucked into those moments because we've seen other players that have been starting games like White, like Gabriel, have also been pulled apart, have been puppeted, if you like, in moments in that game. So it's difficult to say that it wouldn't have certainly happened if it was Saliba, but I would certainly back Saliba to have had a better game. I would have backed Ben White to have a better game if Tommy Asu was able to play right back as well. But the options that we could have done, Partey at right back, the options that we could have done regarding um, Kivior coming in, I don't think that necessarily changes the outcome of this game. Unfortunately, we've lost two key players, and uh, and that was that was it. I was a little bit disappointed with how far forwards Granite Xhaka was getting. I thought we kind of tried to play this game like we play other fixtures, and I think that you have to adapt to your opponent, and we didn't necessarily do that. I think that if you look at how some other teams, like Liverpool, for instance, when they've been so dominant, have then gone to City, they've adapted their game. They've sat in a little bit more. I think that. Granit Xhaka could have been deeper and actually was caught up field a little bit too much. And there was too much space that was opened. And Partey kind of played still this sweeper role in front of the back four when actually he could have done with more of a disciplined partner in Xhaka. And I think maybe that naivety, again, I'm using that word naivety because I think it does run throughout this performance. I think that if Xhaka had played slightly deeper or say you had Jorginho come in, um, that we could have got a little bit more control. And ironically, when Jorginho came on, I thought we had that control. I thought we had a little bit more control of the ball. That's it. It's very difficult to analyse the game at that game state because City are already three up by this point. So how the game plays out when Jorginho comes on is difficult. But I do think that Jorginho is going to be good for those moments and could have been better for us maybe than Granit Xhaka in this game. Um, and with the benefit of hindsight, of course, it's easy for me to say that. But 
Thomas Partey, I thought, was a frustration. Um, and I think has continued to be a frustration in the last couple of fixes. I think he's been off it. And I think in this game, he was far too emotional for this fixture. And that showed up in a couple of the moments where he tussled with Man City players. I think that he could have done with Jorginho coming on next to him sooner, arguably maybe even starting. If Granit Xhaka wasn't fit, which I was led to believe after the game that he was still, you know, fairly ill over the weekend um, and that he hadn't trained, as Arteta told us in the press conference. I don't know whether he trained, trained on, on Tuesday, but maybe it would have been better to bring Jorginho in and play him next to Partey to give him that support because Partey looked alone and then he looked frustrated. Um, and I think it continued a vein of form over the last few games that unfortunately um, kind of, I think, came to a head in, in this fixture. But that composure that Man City showed, the frustration that was coming out in the moments that we had clashes off the ball, I think obviously, again, shows the key differences between the two teams. Now, you know, it's difficult to look at positives in these games. And I've already talked about Aaron Ramsdale as a positive in this fixture. I would like to mention Reese Nelson. I would like to mention what I thought was a really, really good cameo. Um, and there's continuing questions about whether or not we sign him up to a brand new deal. Every single time Reese Nelson's come off the bench, I think he's made an impact this season. Every single time we've, we've, we've brought him on, he shows exactly what it's about, about trying to fight for the badge, about no matter what the scoreline is, comes in, does something. And I think when you compare that to Emil Smith-Rose, substitute performance, I think you see the difference in kind of where the headspace of the two players are perhaps. I know Smith-Rowe is, is not in a good place right now and has not been given the opportunity um, to play. And maybe that's why we're not seeing as much motivation from him. But Nelson's not been given those opportunities. Nelson's had a frustrating season with the injury he suffered after a great contribution before the World Cup. Um, and I thought Nelson coming in was great. I think he deserves to come on sooner in games. Um, and... It opens up an interesting point, you know, about where and when do you start fitting a player in that's really showing himself into a forward line that's that's as it is. And that goes for Leandro Trossard, who I also thought was, again, impactful. And I read Charles Watts' tweet this morning, which I, um, which I took in, which was basically that Arsenal, I don't think, have won a game since he came out of the starting 11, Trossard. It's like, for me, the front three of Jesus... Saka and Martinelli is right, but you have to find some way of getting Trossard involved in these games. And I think that yesterday was not the game to, to start Trossard, but what I do think is that against Southampton, when we brought Trossard on, we were obviously so much better. And I think that maybe in those games where we're up against the West Ham, up against a Southampton, up against a Chelsea next week, you know, playing on Tuesday night, I think that Trossard has to play where Xhaka is. I think we're not where Xhaka is. I think he comes in for Xhaka. And then I think we have to play with him as a supporting figure in the forward line again. I think you have to. If you look at Man City's team, and if you look at that's what the, the, the benchmark is of what we want to get to, look at the system that they want to play. And look how many times they use Bernardo Silva as a player that plays alongside De Bruyne with Rodri as kind of the single pivot man, as we have with Partey. And I think that if you can use Trossard in the way that Manchester City used Bernardo Silva when he plays alongside De Bruyne. I think you've got a great opportunity to be more dominant, to create more high-quality chances, to pull teams apart a lot more with the movement, with the technical skill, with the passing, with the dribbling, all of that stuff. And I think that maybe that that's the way forward for this team, is that that Granit Xhaka role that we talked about isn't fulfilled by another box-to-box -box midfielder in the future. And although we may sign another box-to-box -box midfielder to be... Uh, not only his replacement, but uh, to be another option for us. In the same way that they have Gundogan, for instance, was a really good controlling option for them in, in especially games like we saw yesterday, is I think that we need to also have the option to have a Leandro Trossard type who can play in that position and give us a lot more going forwards, a lot more control um, and a lot greater opportunity. But uh, yeah, that's that's what I think we need to look to. And I think that Granite Xhaka role has got a lot of potential to change what it potentially is down in the future. Um, last word before I go to part two and your comments in the comment section is asking the question, could Mikel Arteta have done any more? Um, again, substitutions are, are something that we look at. And I think that every change we made was all like for like. Um, Jorginho for Xhaka, uh, Trossard for Martinelli, uh, Smith-Rowe for Odegaard, Reese nelson for Saka. 
and Ketia for Jesus. All were like for like. And when you're 2-0 down at half time and you've got to come back into the game, I would have liked to have seen maybe Trossard I'd come on for Xhaka in that moment, you know. Um or bring Jorginho on and take Odegaard, who I didn't think it was great, and bring Trossard on. So you go Partey, uh, Jorginho, Trossard, uh, and give yourself something slightly different. You know, it's not a like-for-like -like change going Trossard, Odegaard, but it gives you something different. Um, I think that's what you have to do. I, I, I think that's the way forwards for us, um, is coming up with new tactical systems and plan B, C, D. We don't really look like we've got a plan B, C, D at the moment. We look like we've got Plan A and then plan A2 and plan A3. It doesn't necessarily feel to me like we've got the options to really change things or the, the thought processes to really change things as much. Um, we were outclassed yesterday. And I think that that comes from, again, this idea of plan A, plan A2, plan A3. Arsenal don't have a way of playing at the moment when they go to a club like City where they're not going to have the ball as much. And that showed at Anfield, where we played our game for the first 30 minutes. And as soon as Liverpool took hold of the game, it was inevitable when we would ultimately concede. And we just don't have a way of playing against these teams that can dominate us for large periods of the match. You know, you look at Jose Mourinho's sides of the past, or you look at, um, Jurgen Klopp's sides, you know, have gone up against Man City and when they won the league in that single season, what they were able to do and how they were able to kind of change and how they were able to transition to not the team that's going to dominate possession, not the team that's going to create loads of chances, but be a little bit more, have a little bit more metal, have a little bit more grit, have a little bit more street smarts about how they play. And we lack that. We, we lack that, um, which is... Is a real shame. Uh, by the way, Franklin Goodwin has come up with the, the comment of the show, which is plan A2 is papering over the cracks. Sorry, dad joke. But no, I think that's absolutely perfect. Absolutely perfect. Okay, let's go to part two and your comments from the comment section right after this. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. And the same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with Mook Delivery. Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Okay, uh, let's scroll up in the chat box and see. Uh, Clive, thank you so much for joining us. If you're not listening to the Arsenal Vision podcast, make sure you do. We did a fantastic live show of Elliot and Paul over in Chicago last week. Um, and Clive is obviously a massive part of, of that fantastic crew. Clive says, if Real Madrid offered £70 million for Jesus, would you take it? It's a, I, I can't say yes without knowing what happens, Clive, is, is the honest answer. And that will sound like a cop-out. But I need to know what the other option is. I need to know what's happening before I can say. Because if, if the answer is yes, and then I've got no idea about who's coming in, it's very difficult for me to, to turn around and say, yeah, you know, that's the right decision that we should look to the change, oh, no. Jesus. I'm not going to, and by the way, sorry for the internet connection being a little bit hazy. Uh, this this Wi-Fi is, is not what we need it to be. Um, but talk to me about what comes in after Jesus goes. And look, without a shadow of a doubt, catching Man City with Jesus and a player similar to Jesus is possible, as has been shown this season. If we won the games that we've won, uh, that we drew and dropped points, and maybe we wouldn't need to be talking about these games against Man City as heavily as we have. But if you want to be a title winner on a regular basis and establish yourself as one of the biggest and best teams that can go on to win every trophy that you go in for, 
I'm not sure whether or not Gabriel Jesus will ultimately be that player for Arsenal. I think he's certainly levelled things up for us. I think he's brilliant. And I think he's certainly taken us to the next level, which we needed to find somebody to do. But obviously, it seems very quickly that we're moving towards what we want to be in the next stage, which is, of course, being up there with Man City, going into the Champions League next season. And Arsenal need to be ruthless in their squad building. You know, Arsenal need to look at the squad and go, well, if we can get a better striker, go and do it. Now, who is that? The question is going to be, who is that? You know, is that Victor Rosimen that you look to go out and bring in? Is that going to be Erasmus Hoyland at Atalanta that you look to go and bring in and, and bank on him being the next big thing regarding a forward? Is that following Balogun after his fantastic season? Is that going out to the Premier League and looking at one of the other top scoring strikers? I'm not sure Ivan Tony is, is that guy. I'm not sure Ollie Watkins is that guy. If Arsenal go and sign a striker, Clive, that is going to replace Gabriel Jesus, it needs to be a striker that is going to be of the top, top, top level and is up there in competing with the biggest and best around. Um, so it's all about, for me, who it is that comes in after Jesus. Because for me, I think Jesus has done a brilliant job in taking us to that next stage. And I'd be naive, naive if I said I think he's the guy that takes us to the ultimate stage, because I'm not sure that he is. But finding who that forward is, is it's going to be very, very difficult. But I think, yeah, it's all going to be... I don't mean to cop out with the answer of it depends, but I think it really does depend. Because I'm not going to sacrifice Jesus if I know that what's coming next is not going to level me up. You know, I don't think Ivan Tony levels me up. I don't think Ollie Watkins levels me up. It might bring in good depth, but it's not going to, it's not going to change things for us in the long run, I don't think. Um, let's go. LJ says, won't tolerate any scapegoating of holding. He was the best outfield player for us yesterday. Partey, Odegaard, Saka, Zinchenko, Jesus, all of them absolutely woeful. Arteta's in-game management as well. Um, I thought holding, I think the perception LJ is going to be more around the fact that holding was one of the most involved players in the game. I don't necessarily think he was one of the best in the game. Um, I thought Martinelli was bright on that left-hand side. And I don't think we got the ball to him enough. I don't think we did enough on our left-hand side. Um, and I think that showed. I think Ramsdale was probably our best player. Um, I don't think there's too much uh, to be said. Of course, he's an outfield player. I don't think I look at any of the squad and go, I can pinpoint a player and go, I think you were the best in that team. Um, it's one of those performances where you're not looking at the outfield players all that much. Um, but I think that whilst it's not scapegoating holding, I think that the performance showed the deficiencies of having holding over Saliba show the deficiencies of the system, of the naivety of the tactics. So I think that's probably where we're at with that one. Uh, Big Ting Man says, but Tom, didn't you say that we need a plan? Uh, you can't win things with false nines unless the rest of your team is elite. Uh, Pep's Barca and City, we need a killer and always have done. And I, I, I think in that last answer to Clive, I think I've explained that. Um, I think that to go up to the level of being, you know, the top, top, top teams, uh, you need... A number nine, does that? That's not, by the way, that's not Andrew Trossard. The Andrew Trossard isn't that guy. The Andrew Trossard is a fantastic player that I think is going to be a real asset to us in the next couple of years. But he's not that guy. You know, so the suggestions that Trossard should start over Jesus, like I understand them, I get them, I know where they're coming from. But again, that's not the solution to Arsenal becoming title winners. You know, that's, that's not what we're talking about here. I think when it comes down to Gabriel Jesus, I don't think, no, I don't think he's the guy that is, it, it turns Arsenal into an established title winner um but he's certainly the guy that takes us up to the level that we found this season which is progression he takes us forwards he's a good signing but there is always going to be that ruthless need to move forwards and to upgrade and to look to get better and you know i think that that will come um i think that that hopefully will come in the future and in the near future as well um valeria says hey tom yesterday was a tough watch pep outclassed Mikel yesterday and man city did not play the way they usually do with stones in midfield Mikel did not react. What are your thoughts? Again, I think we've talked about it a lot this season. Mikel Arteta's in-game management is always going to be the area of his game that I think he could be better at. It's his reaction to opponents, his reading of what needs to change during games and maybe the identification of being a bit braver sooner needs to happen. His subs come sometimes, I think, come too late. He's not brave enough to make the challenges sooner. I don't think he changes enough of the structure and of the system when he does look to make those changes. So, yes, I agree. Um, it could be better. Cody says, I get they are used as impact subs, but why can't Trossard and Nelson start while Gabby and Saka are used as the impact subs? Trossard is similar style to Gabriel Jesus and Saka looks so goddamn tired. 
Um, I think sometimes there might be a misconception around Saka. Clive will tell you, Saka's become very good at being able to learn how to uh, create bursts during games, to manage his fitness during a... I don't think he looks tired. I think he looks like a player that knows how to manage his minutes. And I think there's a difference between looking tired and a player that when he's on the ball comes to life. And I think he does come to life when he's on the ball. Um, it's difficult to get that, but he's not always going to chase back. He's not always going to bust a gut to get back because he is going to try and rest up to use the moments that he's on the ball to really utilise all, all the stamina that is available to him. So I think regarding Nelson and, and Trossard, if you're telling me that you would have started Nelson in this game, yeah, no, Nelson doesn't start for Arsenal. He's a great option off the bench for us, I think, at the moment. He's really bright um, and he's showing what he can do in terms of an impact. And I'd like to see him maybe given opportunities earlier in games and he's currently being given right now. That's the next stage for Nelson. It's not starting, it's coming on earlier in games. Trossard, you, you need to find a way to get him into the team, I think. I don't think you replace the front three. I think you need to get him into the game against Chelsea from the start. And I think that is going to come from replacing Xhaka. I think I'd play Jorginho instead of Partey. And we'll talk about this in a preview show that will be coming for you later this week. But I think I'd replace Thomas Partey with Jorginho for the next game, personally. I, th I just think Partey needs to be taken out of the firing line a little bit. Um, and against Chelsea, I think Jorginho, who knows the opposition, is going to do well to play that game. And then you bring Trossard and Odegaard in ahead of him and play that front three. I think that's the way that you approach the next game. That's what I would personally do for it. Um Scrolling down a little bit more, uh, Louis says, Gabriel was shown a red card earlier in the season for kicking out, but was rescinded due to no contact. How was City foul not a red? He kicked out and made contact. I think it was the manner of the contact. I think the fact that it's kind of just a graze. Um, I think Ben White obviously recognises he's been hit. He uses that, goes down, tries to uh, influence the situation more than, than it was in reality. So, no, I don't think it was a red card. Um, yes, he makes very slight contact, but I don't think it's enough contact to justify a red card for me in that moment. Thanks, Club. I appreciate that uh, in terms of the answer regarding the striker. It's Ozymen uh, being the suggestion. Um, and look, Man City obviously paid the police clause of Erling Haaland, but you need to go out and find who that striker is going to be. Is that Victor Ozymen? I don't know. I, I, I genuinely, I don't know. I don't know whether it is Victor Ozzyman. I don't know if he's the guy. Um, but I do know that Arsenal need to find themselves that number nine for a title. Um, as I've said before, I love Gabriel Jesus. I think he's taken us to the next level. But if we're going to talk about Arsenal establishing, establishing themselves as title winners, I think obviously we're going to need to find that complete striker. Is it Rasmus Hoyland? I'm going to keep my eye on him. I think he's the one that, that people need to keep an eye on. Um, Arsenal are interested, supposedly. Uh, he's the one to maybe maybe look at. Uh, let's go to... Boom, 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 boom. Uh, Clive says, Martinelli had 11 touches. Xhaka missing in that link. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and he looked bright in those 11 touches, you know. That's what I mean, is that you need to get the ball to the players that look like they're going to influence the game and and we didn't do that. You know, we really struggled to, to go forwards. There was times where we were given kind of opportunities, where possession was turned over, and then we wanted to, instead of playing those incisive balls through the box and be a bit riskier, it's like we're almost passing responsibility between each other to be that person to play that ball. It was almost like none of the team wanted to be that guy that gave the ball away, and that sometimes is a little bit dangerous. And I was disappointed in Odegaard's performance in particular. I put him down as one of my losers from the game. Um I want to see more from him in those. And you know he's capable of it. You know, he's been absolutely fantastic in moments for us in big games and created big moments for us that's led us to where we are. I feel like if we had won the title, Odegaard probably would have gone down as player of the season, arguably. But unfortunately, didn't didn't again show things in this one. Uh, Mahedi says, in your opinion, why are we crumbling at the biggest incident of the season? Is it because Arteta doesn't have a plan B? I think there are a multitude of factors. I think the injury to William Saliba and Takira Tomiyasu is a big part of the reason as to why. I think that Saliba's absence is huge. I think it's massively felt on the side and we don't play in the same way out from the back that we usually do. And defensively, there are also some question marks, but I think it's more to do with the distribution. I think it's more to do with the uh, the system and how that works. And by the way, that's why I do think that I don't think it matters what else you do regarding holding, because as soon as you bring Tierney into right back or you bring Kivior in, the system still is affected. 
So I don't think it's that. I think that we need to find ourselves a right-sided centre-back that can compete. You look at Man City, right? They brought in Manuel Kanji in the summer, even though they've got Laporte and Diaz and Stones. And he's been brilliant. You know, I don't think necessarily there were many Arsenal fans out there saying that we should have gone after Manuel Kanji. But what a stunning he would have been for Arsenal in the summer to for 20-odd million quid, you know, to support William Saliba. I spoke to him after the game, actually, and there's a piece coming out in just over an hour and a half time. And Akanji talks at length about kind of, I asked him what the difference is between Arsenal and, and City. So you'll be able to read that soon. But it's, I think we need to find, obviously, that, that player that William Saliba's got to compete with, that with the Champions League next season. I also think maybe we need to find that centre-back, a little bit like Tommy Asu, but better, that can play both right and left-sided centre-back. You look at Akanji, and I bring him up again, can play right back, can play centre back, can play left back. You know, we need to find, I think, a level up on Tommy Asu, someone who's obviously more reliable from a fitness perspective. But I think we need to find that player. Um, you could argue maybe that it's Ben White and that we need to bring in next season another right back to offer something different in the right back position so that we've got the option of playing someone a little bit more pacey, someone a little bit more offensive, someone a lot more offensive, someone that can really overlap and be you know, have our Kyle Walker option, if you like, someone that's a lot faster and can give us that option. And then Ben White can obviously has got more space to come in. I'd keep Tommy Asu. I still think that obviously he's a good asset to have and being able to play in any of the back four positions is key. But obviously we need to move on from Rob Holding. And we need to move on from that player. And uh, that's that's going to take some scouting. And that's going to take some, uh, some smart business in the summer. Uh, Fahim says, I feel the way City set up uh, without fullbacks rendered our shape useless yesterday. Do you think the three-two-four-one would have been better uh, to match them in midfield? I'm not necessarily sure that it would have done. Uh, I think it was more about the double pivot and playing with another midfielder next to Partey. I think that would have offered us a lot more control. I think it would have offered us a lot more protection. I think it would have meant that you wouldn't have necessarily seen players like Holding rushing out into the space to kind of close down the striker when he dropped short because he would have been picked up by two midfielders instead of the centre-back having to rush in and opening up that space. Xhaka, I think, was too free, too far forwards, and that let us down. I think Zinchenko needed to be a little bit more astute in what he was trying to do as well. There's maybe an argument that Tierney could start this game, but I'm not sure that it's absolutely game-changing if he does. I think it's more to do with the double pivot situation. I think we should have been more astute with that. And I would have probably started Jorginho. Over, you know, I think I've said it already on the show. I think Jorginho coming in for Xhaka was probably the change to make for this game. And uh, and I said if Xhaka was fully fit, I would have started him. But I would have liked to play, for him to play deeper. But obviously, in the benefit of hindsight and seeing that I think Xhaka wasn't completely on it, I think I would have started Jorginho uh, in this fixture. Um, Jean says, the question is, on a night like yesterday, which team in Europe would have stopped KDB and Haaland? I think that you have to look at, obviously again, how good they are. And maybe we've not talked about that. Um, and I think Seb says that here. City are simply too good. This is probably the best Premier League team we've ever seen. I don't see them losing a game in all competitions now. We gave it a good go, guys, but we should be proud of what we've done. Hey, look, I'm going to be proud of what we've done come the end of this season. You know, We've set up and achieved what we wanted to do and loads more. And there's obviously going to be an element of being gutted like there was last season. You know, a lot of people didn't expect Arsenal to be in uh, a shout with the top four place come the end of the season. Um, and they nearly very did. And again, this season, it's a case of the same situation. And we keep pushing the bar. And that's what you want to be as a club. You want to keep pushing that bar higher and higher of the expectations of, of what you're going to achieve. Um, but it's, it doesn't stop it from sucking that, you know, that you've taken yourself into this position and you cost yourself in games that you'd expect us to, to win. And we didn't lose the title yesterday. We lost the title against Liverpool and Southampton and West Ham. That's, that's where the title for me has been lost. And that's why the argument that Arsenal, quote, bottle things this season, will we'll have a legitimate kind of backing to it. I'm certainly not going to be looking back on this season really for myself as, as necessarily bottling it. I'm going to be looking back on this season as... We weren't ready for the title, if that's the case. I don't think we are ready for it, and we don't think we have the squad for it. And I do think that injuries come into that as well. You know, how Eric Ten Hag had the cheek to say that Arsenal have been fortunate with injuries this season was frankly a joke. And I know it preluded the Saliba injury, but even then, losing Jesus for as long as we did, and we could have used him in those games against Newcastle, um, the home game against City perhaps as well. But yeah, 
It just bothers me, I think, that when we play City at home, we look like a side that can do something, especially in last season's home game. And then when we go to City, it's such a different, there's such a inferiority complex about going to City. But I think that does perhaps stem from the way that we set up. And I think that we were tactically a little bit naive, or tactically very naive about how we approached this game. Um, let's go to... Uh, and he says, Tom, if we finish second this season, what will the season be as progress next season? It's about establishing ourselves, Andy, again. You know, this season was always about initially qualifying for the Champions League. And we've gone well and beyond that so that it's changed and that we were trying to then push for a title and see if we can go and get a title this season when the opportunity arose. You know, there's always the argument that Chelsea, Liverpool, Man United are going to be better next season. That always comes up. It doesn't matter does not matter because every season, every team gets better. We get better. We strengthen. We add players. It's football. It's what happens. And it's not about if we miss this opportunity, we'll never get another chance. That's a lot of BS, in my opinion. Uh, I may be proven wrong, but I just don't buy into that. The next step for us next season, Andy, is progression, which is to challenge. It's to challenge for the title again. There's never an expectation for a title unless you're Man City at this stage. And Arsenal aren't at a level where they can expect the title. But I think certainly we need to be in a position where we're expecting us to challenge again and to be up there and be in this position again next season where we, we've got five games left and we can still win it. That's where we need to push to. And that's establishing yourself at the top. As soon as you, the closer you get to the top, the areas of improvement become smaller. You know, it's not going from eighth to fifth or fifth to fourth or fourth to first. You know, the gaps of improvement become smaller and smaller as you get to the top. And so what you can expect is progression that should change but it should change within the realms of understanding what you're going up against and what we're going up against as are any other Premier League team besides City is City. So the expectation, the sign of progress next season is to again look to try and challenge for the title. But the difference between second and first and the difference between eighth and fourth, even though numerically is smaller, the gap is significantly bigger. And it's a gap that we need to close. And it's a gap that hopefully we'll try to close in the summer with some of the business that we're going to do. And that's going to be really, really important. Um, let's go to Omar says, why do you think we crumble towards the end of every season? Happens time and time again. Again, it's because the squad's not yet complete. It's because we are unfortunate with injuries like we were last season and the season before and this season. And we've not yet got the complete squad. Now, in the summer, that must change. This is the last summer for the squad to be what I would call built. This has to be the last summer for the building of the squad. And I think the club planned for that. I don't think they looked at last summer and thought, that's the end of the squad's building. No. I think that was kind of the penultimate summer to what this summer is supposed to be, where we complete what we call the construction of a team that is trying to push for titles and to establish itself as a title challenger. Then the subsequent summers after this is what Manchester City have been doing for the last however so long. They built their title-challenging squad close to a decade ago. And since then, they've added one, two, sometimes three big players into their team to maintain that establishment at the top. And that's, for me, where we sit at the end of this season, is that we sit in a position right before we get to the following summer where we're that City-esque builder of a team the construction must end then it's the next stage the next phase of squad building in the summer of 2024 but for me in this situation that we find ourselves in now um we've done a brilliant job in squad building and we need to now move to the next phase and again injuries have cost us i'm not surprised but next season, unless there is a ridiculous injury spate, which obviously Liverpool have somewhat suffered in the past, we shouldn't be in this position again. If we lose Saliba, if we lose Tomiyasu, it shouldn't be Holding coming in. If we lose Jesus, it shouldn't be Nketiah coming in. If we lose Partey, it shouldn't really be Jorginho coming in. And that's the difference between a team like Arsenal this season and Man City is that with Saliba and Tomiyasu out, Holdings coming in. If Partey's out, Jorginho's coming in. If Jesus is out, Nketiah's coming in. You know, it needs to be Jesus coming in, really. And that's why he was let go of Man City, which is a fair point. You know, I'm glad we got him. Great forward. think he can be part of a team moving forwards, even one that wins a title. But I think that it's going to be about the ruthlessness of squad building going forwards. There's no sentimentality, none at all. And that's why City allows Zinchenko and Jesus to move. So 
That's for me the next step. Clive says, Tom, when you looked at the pitch last night, what did you feel watching City? Did you feel we could win the jewels or not? I uh, I felt from the first opening moments of the game that there was one team that has won a title before and there's one team that wants to. Um and the team that won the the team that has won a title before obviously was also at home and had the backing of a, the first time the Etihad has maybe had an atmosphere. Um, there's a little bit of tongue in cheek for the day, but um, I I saw players that were not only capable of winning every duel when need when need be, but a team that had the obvious quality to be able to do it. And I felt as though I was watching a side meticulously pick apart a pretender. It felt like a bit of a boxing match where you've got a seasoned pro, just, you know, not necessarily having to go for the, the knockout blows all the time, but just doing the jabs until you wear that time down, even though they did get kind of a knockout kick with that first goal. But it felt like you were watching a boxing match between someone that's just so much more experienced, that has done it before at the top level, and someone that's up and coming, you know, and a little bit naive in what they're trying um, and that have not necessarily faced a test like they faced last night. It felt a bit like that to me. Um, and I'm not the biggest boxing fan in the world. <laughs> um, but I think that's how it kind of looked to me um, on, on the field. And that, again, when you go back to the footballing energy, what has to change is the personnel. What has to change is the experience. And don't get me wrong, you know, winning the title would have been an amazing experience for this team. But also being in a title race this season is massive, massive experience for players like Saka, Martinelli, Saliba, Odegaard, Ramsdale. You know, it's massive, massive experience, massive experience for these players. And it will improve them as players. You look at the disappointment of last season. You know, you look at what happened in the Champions League race, missing out on that. And look at what we turned that into. You know, that I think is... It is the encouragement that you take from us missing out is that we know how we respond as a team from a disappointing season. From eighth to a, to a Champions League place challenge out of the blue, from fifth to a title race challenge out of the blue. It's, it's exciting. You know, yes, I'll be disappointed. And I was gutted at the end of last season. But even at the end of last season, I don't think I, I think I underestimated what this team is capable of. And I think that ultimately I won't do that this time. And I'm excited for next season. I'm excited for the summer. I'm excited to see where it can go. Um, I'm not end of worldy about things. Let's say that, you know. And I went into this game realistic. I went into this game, even though, you know, I was, we were doing the preview show and I was like, oh, yeah, um, because you want to be optimistic and you want to be a fan, you know. But I was going into this game and I travelled up to Manchester. I didn't expect anything. I didn't expect us to win this. You know, I was expecting us, to, to be honest, I was expecting what happened to happen. I said to Georgia yesterday, she was like, honestly, what do you think is going to happen? And I said, I think it'll probably be four. I think they'll score four. Um, it's easy for me to see her and say that without her backing me up, but uh, she'll tell you I thought I scored, I thought they'd score four. Um, because they are a different level and they know what to do and they've done it before. And I know what's happened when we've gone there before. So, yeah, it's a frustrating one. Um, <laughs> Jeffrey, I appreciate that comment. Uh, Gavin says, how many do we need to buy to cover all the competitions next season and have a good chance? I think five. Right back, right-sided centre-back, two midfielders and a forward is what I think we need. If we lose Tierney, then also a left-back. So it's, it's five or six is I think what we need. I think we need five or six. And do I think we can do it on a budget of around 150 to 200 million? Potentially. I think Rice is your big spender. I think if a forward is available, like a, like someone that you feel you can take a jump on, that you feel is going to be that elite level, I think you should be able to get that striker in um, for the 30 to 50 million range. I think you get a good fullback in that changes things for a reasonable price. I think you can get a good Right-sided centre-back. And again, I'll use a Kanji as a great example of what City play for that type of player. You can get really good players, as we have proven ourselves, you know. Odegaard, Gabriel, Saliba, um, Martinelli, um, Tomiyasu, uh, Ramsdale, Zinchenko. You know, you look at the players that we've got for 
fees in the region of 30 or less. And you look at what that's built a squad up to, you can definitely do brilliant business in the 30 million pound uh, range. But as Clive says, we've got some sales to make as well. You know, we have got to move players on. We've got to make sure we're not doing a Chelsea and just adding and adding and adding. You need to be better at selling. And that's why Tavares has to go. Pepe has to go. If you lose Tierney, then you have to get a good fee for him. If Balogun goes, you have to get a good fee for him. If Nketiah goes, you have to get a good fee for him. Um, Maitland-Niles is not being extended. Um, who else is there that can go that I'm probably forgetting about? Um, have I said Rob Holding? He's going to go. Pablo Marie's going to go. Um, and I think that we have to make sure that we're also getting money in. And that's going to help us to build. That's going to help us to do what we need to do. Uh, I'm going to take the super chat and wrap up because not only have I not plugged in the laptop, so it's going to die. Um, but uh, I've been going for 50 minutes now. Well, aware my train is coming very shortly. Uh, Fahim says, Ramsdale White holding Gabby Partey, Jorginho, Saka, Odegaard, Trossard, Martinelli, Jesus, 3-2-4-1. Um, we needed more bodies in midfield. Maybe we'll see that. Um, maybe we'll see that. Uh, against Chelsea. I think we'll see changes. I think we'll see some differences. Um, I hope that we do. And I hope that we win. And I hope that we win the last five games and we really push it to the end because I really would not like us to fall away now. I'd like us to finish on upwards of 80 points um, and have a really strong season. Um, but I hope this has been somewhat of a bit of a therapy. I hope maybe it's given you a bit of perspective on the game. I hope it's been helpful um, for you. It's, it's crap. I hate it. You know, I hate the fact that we're not there yet. I hate the fact that we were wildly and roundly and comfortably beaten but it's it is what it is um i think what this is this season is a great step forwards and i think that champions league is fantastic to get that back is going to be great and i'm gutted that we've not been able to do what we're doing but this is this is where we're going and it's exciting and we're on this journey together and i wouldn't have changed this season for the world other than obviously um trying to win it but yeah you know it's been a brilliant brilliant season we've st it's still not over is key still not done let's see what happens um, but thank you everybody for listening please do drop a like on the video please do subscribe to the channel if you're new around here I'm going to go home and um, spend uh, I'm working the rest of the day of course but uh, I'm looking forward to spending it with the other half kind of taking my mind off football if you like and uh, we'll uh, certainly look at what this team can do in the future we'll have a preview for you of the Chelsea game over in the next few days or so and of course we'll continue to bring the new show in the mornings at 8am UK time back in the usual setting with the better audio quality as well. Thank you for listening. See you soon. And as always, up the Arsenal. It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your McDelivery. You in? At participating restaurants 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.